0: Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. 1 Timothy, chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and is left all alone puts her hope in God, and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead, even while she lives. Give the people these instructions, so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over sixty has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for the younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry Thus, they bring judgment on themselves, because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who really are in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning you are to reprove before everyone, so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality, and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water, and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. You may remember that one of the Ten Commandments is that we should honor our fathers and mothers. And Paul has a, a notation, if you will, in this chapter about respect for older people. In verse 1, he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. So he's encouraging younger people to be uh, gracious and respectful toward older men. He goes on to say, Treat younger men as brothers and older women as mothers. And so older women, too, would get respect. As you would respect your mother, uh, you are to treat the older women. And as you would respect your father, biblically, you are to treat the older men. And younger men and younger women are to be treated with purity and respect as well. Now, I want to tell you a little story, if I may, and just kind of step aside from the text. Uh, Growing up, I had a very dear friend who is still my friend to this day. And he married um, when we were young. He married when we were, I was about 21, and he was either 21 or he had just turned 22. He married a Christian girl. She was a little younger than we were, about 18 years old. And he firmly believed that um, it was her duty before God to obey him as her husband. And in his mind, that meant that he called the shots for the family. So if he said, we're moving to Tennessee, then by God, they needed to move to Tennessee. If he said, we're buying this thing, then they had to buy that thing. He said, we're going to do this or do that, then she had to go along with it. That was their understanding. Both of them went along with that initially for a period of years. But this particular friend of mine got a little bit off kilter at some point and made some irrational decisions. On several occasions, he just up and told his wife they were moving, and they left all of their belongings. In the course of time, they had three kids. And so I know twice they left a certain area where they left all the kids' toys and this kind of things. Anyway, after 20 years of uh, submitting to the husband in the way that she thought the Lord would have her to submit, the wife decided that she wasn't called to be married to this man anymore. And so, sadly, they didn't um, get the counseling they needed. They broke up and divorced. The problem being, the three kids were still minors, and the husband refused to pay child support. And so there's a verse in this chapter. It says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially those of their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, my friend, in refusing to provide the money, for his children, forget his ex-wife, but his children, to pay for them, uh, to provide for their needs. The Bible says that he became worse than an unbeliever and that he denied the faith in Jesus Christ. You see, friends, we are responsible for our friends and relatives in Christ, but especially our family members. There is no excuse for a man or a woman to abandon the family financially. I know that sometimes, sadly, marriages break up. But the responsibility does not go away. And so, sadly, my friend did not continue faithfully with his financial responsibility towards his children. I might add that they were court-appointed financial responsibilities, uh, which is a sad state of affairs for that to have to happen. But even so, he didn't abide by that. And um, uh, I was very disappointed in my friend. And I pointed out to him this verse, that anybody who doesn't provide for their own household, their own children, their own relatives, is worse than an unbeliever, according to the Bible. And uh, you would do well to remember that if you're in a broken marriage or if you're contemplating a divorce, you would do well to remember that passage. Paul goes on to talk about uh, widows in need of support and how the family has the first responsibility, and then by the church, uh, the church has responsibility if the family is unable or unwilling to take care of the widows. Verse 16, if any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. In other words, if the Lord is using you to make provision for a widow, Uh, You should continue to allow yourself to be used for that purpose, and therefore the church would have resources to use for those in greater need than the ones that perhaps you can take care of. He goes on to speak of uh, respect not only for older people, older women, older men, and, and so forth, but there should be respect toward church leaders. Verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And so I, I don't um, solicit accolades and deference from people that I, I minister to. But the Bible says clearly that elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those who work who's preaching and teaching. And so um, I, inasmuch as I faithfully serve the Lord in that position, in that role, um, I, am, I am due to honor from those who love the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages, meaning those whose life's vocation is preaching, teaching, and ministry are those are able to obtain a paycheck or wages from the ministry itself. This is a biblical principle, even though Paul, for much of his ministry, refused to have anyone support him, Late in his life, when he was incarcerated under house arrest uh, in Jerusalem, and, and when he was incarcerated in Jerusalem, and Caesarea, and then in Rome, he didn't have the ability to work. He had to rely on the uh, the faithful support of God's people. So for a period of some four or five years, Paul was not able to work even if he'd wanted to, and he wrote many letters thanking people for their financial support. And once again, it's a biblical principle. Verse 19, do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. And there's a higher standard for pastors and elders and church leaders than there is for regular congregants. We're held to a higher standard. But there's also a higher standard of proof for wrongdoing needs to be by two or three witnesses, not just by one accuser. And those who are indeed found wrong or found guilty of wrongdoing should be brought before the whole congregation to acknowledge their sin and to receive their correction or their warning so that everybody else would be warned to be in right relationship and right standing with God. In verse 21, Paul makes a statement, I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus Christ. Now, I've been involved in many minister installations, many ordination services, Every ordination service I've ever been involved with involves a charge to ministry, in part from these words of Paul. I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus Christ. That's what we do to prospective ministers who are to be ordained. To keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. And so this laying on of hands is raising someone up into leadership. Paul goes on to remind us that our sins and our virtuous deeds will one day be revealed. And Lord, I I just thank you that um, you have called me and others as leaders in the Church of Jesus Christ. Lord, I acknowledge that there's a higher standard of morality and ethics for those of us who are called to serve you. And I pray, Lord, that we would be virtuous in our service toward you. I pray for those that are under our leadership, Lord, that they would receive good things from the pastors and the elders and deacons that they've chosen. Lord, I pray that virtue would be imparted to them. And those deeds that are not good, Lord, I pray they would be repented of And they would be abandoned so that all that remains is those good things forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app, and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.